Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Sorcerer's Orphan, a podcast created to dissect and explore the inner workings and inspired accidents that have helped the Flaming Lips write, create, and record some of our most iconic music and songs. I'm Stephen Droz, and I will be your host and your guide for this half hour of discussion and rememberings. Thank you for joining us. Here we go. Episode number seven. This is the Yeah 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 song with all your power from the 2006 LP at War with the Mystics, a bubblegum glam pop anti-war anti-authoritarian protest song. We will talk about the special novelty voice loop. We will talk about the political climate that inspired the song. We will discuss the making of the absurd video, and we will talk to Steve. From Blues Clues. How did he get involved in this? Well, we'll get to all of that, but first, let's start where we always do. This song was written in the summer of 2005 and then recorded August 8th, 9th, and 10th. 2005 at Tarbox Road Studios with Dave Fruman, and it was released April 3rd, 2006. The current political atmosphere at the time of this podcast in the year 2019 may seem like an unprecedented doomsday scenario, but just 15 years ago, there was a similar insanity running our country. Let's go back to the year 2004. George W. Bush had just been elected president for the second term, and after living through his disastrous first term, the world is on edge, and we, as the Flaming Lips, are very, very worried. And up until this time, we had not been overly politically aware or concerned. Maybe it was just because we were getting older, or perhaps the world really was in peril. Either way, the culturally progressive group that we were immersed in was outraged and scared about the future. Back then, like now, the things that frighten us the most, and the things we find the most ludicrous, 
and the dangers of the world we can't control, we would make jokes about them. And if you're in the Flaming Lips, you eventually make joke songs about them. This is the actual recording of my joke song that I wrote and recorded in the summer of 2005 with Dave Fridman. It is a joke folk song, and I'm singing actual quotes that Donald Rumsfeld had said. As we know, there are no knowns, there are things we know, we know. We also know there are known unknowns. That is to say, we know there are some things we do not know. There are also unknown unknowns. The ones we don't know, we don't know. We don't know, we don't know, we don't know. So for the first time in my life, I was aware of what a defense secretary does. And this is my joke song about the defense secretary, Donald Rumsfeld. Donald Rumsfeld, a.k.a. Rummy, would say the most nonsensical and stupid and outrageous things. Here's the person who is in charge of the largest armed forces on Earth. And he's in charge of taking that armed forces to war. There could not be a more serious job. And yet it would appear that with all of his power and responsibility, he is just stupidly glib. Or at least it sounded like that to us. And our response to this was to be stupid and glib too. Yeah, 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 The summer of 2005 would be the first time I'm using my own computer with my own Pro Tools Mini Studio. I sequestered myself in one of the unused isolated vocal booths up at Dave Fridman's Tarbox Road Studio. And while Wayne and Michael and Dave would be in the control room mixing, say, the wand, I would spend isolated hours by myself entertaining myself making things like this. just singing into a Shure KSM-A44 microphone. It is a four-part harmony doing the yeah, yeah, yeah parts. Here's the first one. And here's the second one. Here's the third one. And here's the fourth. And the screechy counter melody part is me double tracking my vocal. Here's the first one. And here's the second one. Wayne and I have been listening to a couple of very cool records. 
One was an absolutely experimental voice recording album by Diana Deutsch called Musical Illusions and Paradoxes. The other was Japanese psych pop singer Takako Minikawa. Both of these albums have lots of interesting voice pieces, and I was simply having fun creating my own version of these inspired and sometimes multi-track voice recordings. At one point, Wayne poked his head into my isolated cubicle, and here's this funny sequence. And it sparks an immediate, enthusiastic reaction. He asked me, what key is that? And he ran and grabbed an acoustic guitar. I suggest chords in the key of E, and he quickly strums a pattern that effortlessly, already, is becoming the gist of the song. Like this. private joke protest songs to, well, actual, actual protest songs. But our protest songs are kind of detached, poetic cartoons that should not be compared to Bob Dylan or Woody Guthrie's protest songs. Our encouragement was coming more from the way the Black Sabbath song War Pigs was an anti-Vietnam song but was still badass, intense, and energetic entertainment. You see, by the time I'd heard War Pigs, the Vietnam War was long over. But it's simple, visceral onslaught. It's just fun to listen to. And though we are very anti-George Bush, anti-Dick Cheney, anti-Donald Rumsfeld, anti-the-whole-of-the-current-U.S.-war-machine, we still wanted to make something that would still be fun to listen to long after the George W. Bush era was over. What you're hearing here is the musical gizmo effect called the talk box. It's most famously used in the Peter Frampton song, Do You Feel Like We Do? I had ordered this talk box one day while at Tarbox Road Studios from the online music store called Sweetwater, and it arrived serendipitously while we were working on the AAS song. Let me explain for just a minute what this effect is and what it does. So a guitar player plugs into this little amplifier that has an enclosed speaker. So you can't really hear the speaker, but this long tube is connected to a portal that shoots the sound through this tube, and the other end of the tube is in your mouth. Essentially spraying the guitar sound into your mouth, and instead of singing with your vocal cords, you're simply shaping this guitar sound with your lips and tongue so it can sound like a funny robot singing instead of your voice. So like I said, this talk box arrived exactly on the afternoon that we were recording the Yeah 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 song at exactly the time we were searching for another little gimmick to help make the song more unique and exciting. 
And so I open the box and set up the gizmo. And while I'm doing this, Dave Fridman and Wayne are setting up to record it. And what you hear on the song is literally, literally the first take. The very first time I used the talk box. And Wayne and Dave are right. You can hear how much fun I'm having. I'm discovering how it works while I'm overdubbing directly into the song. A lot of good luck giving this song a lot of character. The romping phone of the Yeah 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 song perhaps overrides the message of protest and warning that we first intended. And really, we were fine with that. You see, we had recently recorded a very thorough cover version of Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody, and its elongated operatic freak-out middle bit really inspired us. We would find it quite easy to just get lost doing the over-the-top, absurdly stylized productions. And in this vein, we were lucky enough to catch the interest of an insanely inventive music video production company called Tractor. Tractor, whose head directors, though they were Norwegian satirists, found themselves making successful commercials in Los Angeles. They were interested in making a video for the Yeah 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 song, and we went along for the ride. But you know, so obviously we're, we're big fans of Flaming Lips, and a, a song came through, and and uh, and we thought, oh, what are we going to do? We have to do it. We have to do it. This is Ola Sanders. He's the director of the video. We spoke to him over the phone from Los Angeles. There was a really cool location that we'd seen, and a really cool werewolf. So we had a location that we thought, wow, this looks like Iraq or somewhere. He's referring to the first scene in the video. Wayne is dressed as a North Korean dictator, leading some charging army troops through a dystopian Middle Eastern battle scene. You know, we had this this uh, magnificent uh, uh, werewolf. He's talking about the very realistic-looking werewolf that chases Wayne towards the end of the video. And it had lots of expensive technology inside it that the Pepsi Corporation had paid for and then lost their their mojo uh, and 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 uh, abandoned a while back. So we had a. We had a rock, we had a werewolf, we had a song about abuse of power, a beautiful, a wonderful song with all your power and and, uh, and a band that we loved. And, uh, and uh, then we had to fill in the blanks, really. And we've always liked, you know, creating a window on a, on a different world uh, where, where there's a different kind of logic uh, that you can understand or, or not. It doesn't really matter. And we also like, you know, cause and effect. One thing happens, and so the other thing. You put the burgers on the guy, and... All the victims in the video have different types of food taped to their bodies. And the, the bad guys change him, chase him, uh, you know, and, and, and things that aren't necessarily cause and effect that might be, uh, you know, uh, initiated by a benevolent... I can never... It's benevolent, good or bad. You have to remember, we're, we're foreign, so... The two other anti-war, anti-George Bush skronk rock tracks that accompany the Yeah 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 song were The Wand and Free Radicals. Free Radicals, in which Wayne's lyrics strangely allude to a comparison of George W. Bush to Donald Trump. 
and although sarcastic and snarky at the time, would be an accurate prediction of what was to come 15 years later. You're turning into a poor man's Donald Trump! And again, I believe we slightly lose the plot of doing protest songs in favor of doing exuberant and sometimes gimmicky production. The sessions for what would become At War with the Mystics began in June 2004, and we weren't consciously pursuing a political album. No, no, no. But we were trying to get away from the heavy cosmic drama of the Soft Bulletin, and we weren't comfortable being the perceived wise messengers that brought Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots. Not long. So we were wanting to go in any direction that wasn't either of those. And in our identity crisis panic, we dismissed what we now know were some of our coolest songs. <sighs> Two very special songs from the At War With The Mystics sessions were The Gold in the Mountain of Our Madness and Why Does It End? Neither of these songs made the final cut of the finished album At War With The Mystics. They're both very pure and fun and absolutely Flaming Lips type songs, but our state of mind was somewhere in between, are we songwriters doing heartfelt protest songs, or are we producers creating a stylized sheen of dynamic soundscapes? Either way, Wayne and I felt unsatisfied with our dueling musical identities. Gold in the Mountain of Our Madness is truly a wondrous combination of storytelling and music so simple and so evocative of the universal acquiring of innocent wisdom. In this demo version of the song, you can hear Wayne actually stumbling upon the lyrics that are the moral of the story. You can hear him singing through it once, kind of noticing that it works. Then he goes back and sings it again, knowing what to leave out. In the key of A, I've got the 12 string tuned down a whole step, and then the capo is on the fourth fret, just for future reference. This is the actual, actual demo for the song Why Does It End? Why 
does it end what ended up being another very honest, very dramatic, and very emotional song. It reminded us of a lost track that could have been on the soft bulletin. And that's precisely why it was left off of At War With The Mystics. And here's what Wayne has to say about this songwriter's quagmire. Yeah, I know. I, I don't. I don't think there's any easy solution to knowing that you're writing a song and knowing that you are a songwriter. Um, for me, I sort of feel like it's best to be seeing things out of your peripheral vision. And, and what I mean is, like, when you're this combination of words and music there is something uh, magical that happens and, and but the dilemma of, of creating it is that when you're thinking of a word or words you know they fire up a different uh, area of your brain than they they then these same words do than when you're singing them so when you sing the words it's different than when you're just thinking the words singing them, fires up a different little area of your, maybe of your emotional brain or something. But listening to the words and the music is firing up yet a different version. It's a different area, a different spot in your in your brain. And it's you're, you're going to have a different reaction to it. And there's no way you can, you can predict... This, how, what this effect is going to be. And so sometimes I'm, I'm looking at it, it's like having three different apps open at the same time. There's a thinking app, there's a singing app, and there's a listening app. And all those are able to cross-reference each other at the same time. So I think when our songwriting is working at its most expressive and it's most simple it's most i think it's because we're we're thinking of something else and we're involved in something else and we're slightly hovering in the middle zone where what we're thinking and what we're singing and what we're hearing are all the same thing um I haven't found very much that it worked very well to just write down a bunch of lyrics. Um, obviously, writing them, you have to write stuff down and then hope that when you sing it, um, that it works. But oftentimes, what you've written, uh, once you go to sing it, it doesn't work. And, and, and so this articulating thing. Uh, what I mean is you kind of have an idea of what you mean, but you're speaking it and singing it maybe faster than you're thinking it. And so you're, you're almost hearing yourself instead of you're hearing yourself say it before you've had time to think it. And I think for Stephen and I, I think that's where the magic of the music and words 
has probably coalesced in its most satisfying way. After the break, we will talk with Steve Burns from Blues Clues. We will also ask the question, does protest music and songs ever really stop a war? We'll be right back. It's Flaming Lips' greatest hits. All my dreams coming true. It's got all my favorite songs. Like this one. Oh, and this. Oh my god, and hard to find songs like this one. I'm so happy. The Flaming Lips Greatest Hits. Available on Warner Brothers Records. Get it now. Greetings, curious children of all ages. The time has come to celebrate exciting new music. Flaming Lips, doing the songs and music of The King's Mouth. The story and fantasy tale of a futuristic medieval time and place. With narration by Mick Jones, formerly of The Clash and Big Audio Dynamite. The king is dead. Let's cut off his head. The immersive art installation come to life through magical sounds and singing. Time far away. The Flaming Lips, The King's Mouth is available on Warner Brothers Records and Bella Union Records. Get it now. Thank you for listening. This is The Sorcerer's Orphan, a podcast where I, Stephen Drozd, dissect and discuss some of the Flaming Lips' most iconic music and songs. still struggling with our identity crisis panic and in an attempt to not repeat ourselves, especially not repeat the soft bulletin or Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots, we put together a few spoken word pieces and asked some of our friends to help us. Uh, yeah, you're talking about time travel. Yes, which I loved, which I loved because not only did it pose a question, it also answered itself all within the title. <laughs> this is Stephen Michael Burns, also known as Steve Burns. But you may know him as Steve from Blues Clues. You know Blues Clues, the children's educational television show. 
We've known Steve for many years and have collaborated on each other's projects many times. Steve and I were working on music at my home studio in Oklahoma City. He was recording some of his songs, and at the same time in 2005, we were still creating music for At War With The Mystics. We weren't sure what all would be on the record. We had done a version of this piece of music called Time Travel, Yes, where Wayne had done the spoken word part, and we altered his voice to sound lower, more serious, and evangelistic. We thought Steve's relaxed, smooth, voiceover-type speaking voice would be a perfect counterpoint to the first version. Here's a moment of the first version with Wayne doing the spoken word. And then there's time travel. And yes, I say that time travel really does already exist. And here's a different version with Steve, and you'll notice the music is also different. And then there's time travel. And yes, I say that time travel really does already exist. And here's what Steve remembers of those times. I was in Oklahoma City, and we recorded it at Stephen's house, and I think we read it in like 10 minutes. Yeah, that's right. Now I remember. So, yes, uh, it was a lot of fun. I do remember that. I remember remember just being over the moon that I was officially performing, recording with with the Flaming Lips, with my favorite band. It It was definitely a banner day in Burns world. Yeah. They, it, we kind of wanted to have sort of a, uh, film strip microfiche vibe to, to it. You know what I mean? That's, that, that's kind of what I remember. And at least that's what I was doing. And then we juxtaposed that with kind of some really trippy, um, DJ shadow sort of evocative mood stuff. Probably I was trying to be cool because I was privately shitting my pants because I was performing on a Flaming Lips track. And he, like us, remembered that our day-to-day thoughts never strayed very far from our worrying about the doomsday political climate. I, I absolutely saw, I absolutely interpreted the wand and the yeah, yeah, yeah song as, uh, as protest music, for sure. You know, um, I I remember, especially the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah song, I always felt, for me, it just felt like the Dick Cheney song in a way, you know, it's like, holy shit, what would you, how would you handle or apply infinite power, you know, and then then the song kind of makes you ask yourself that question, and when I ask myself that question, I say, well, I would screw it up immediately and terrible things would occur. With all your power, what would you do? Wayne's lyric is perhaps exposing and expressing our actual lack of power, or that maybe in reality we are powerless. But that's why we have songs. Protest songs or anti-war songs allow us, all of us, to scream back at the controlling forces that we do not trust or agree with. 
Any voice that opposes their wrongful use of their power is, well, empowering. Empowering to you. Songs are our way of saying, hey, here's how I feel. But songs are hopefully just the beginning. The beginning of being informed, the beginning of getting involved, and the beginning of trying to understand. Songs unite us in purpose. Songs can get us attention. But what we do once we've gotten the attention, well, that's another podcast. And that brings us to the end of this podcast. I'd like to thank Ola Sanders and Steve Burns for speaking with us today. And I'd like to thank our wonderful, ever-expanding audience. Thank you for your comments, your encouragement, and your time. I really enjoyed sharing these remembrances and talking to our friends and presenting it all to you. You, the most important humans on the planet, Flaming Lips fans. Peace and punk rock forever. And here is the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah song.
quit. You, you, I didn't, I didn't make it all the way through that. 